Today on Doomed, we are just hours away from a very controversial WWE special event. Uh, probably the most controversial in WWE history. And on the show to discuss this event, we have David Bixenspan, a reporter covering pro wrestling for Deadspin, Mel Magazine, and most recently, The Nation. Also, as heard on BBC Five last night. Yes. David, thank you for joining us today. Happy to be here. This 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 story just keeps taking shape. I mean, I, actually, there is something I might be able to spring on you. I was I was t- I was telling you before we went on the air that there was a development today that until I saw you had retweeted it, I was almost kind of hoping you hadn't because it would be an amazing thing to spring on you. But I realized there is something else that broke either last night or this morning that I may need to be able to spring on you. I oh, say. all right. Well, let's let's actually let's take it back a bit and let's yes, start. Let's start at the beginning here. So what is going on with the WWE? What is this crown jewel event that's put them in front and center in the spotlight on the, you know, they're being covered by you know mainstream media news outlets, and not in a positive way, which would really make Vince McMahon very happy. They're being covered in a uh, very negative way over this uh, crown jewel event. What's the deal? As I uh, channel my inner Jerry Seinfeld, what's the deal with the WWE crown jewel special event that we're literally what less than uh, what? 13, 14, less than 15 hours away from 15 hours away from and even less by the time some people listen to this uh, after yes. the live stream or on the podcast. Yes. OK, so I guess this technically goes back to March, at least as far as we know, when all of a sudden at the end of March, WWE announces that they have signed a 10 year contract with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia to put on wrestling shows there on what now looks like a twice a year basis. And the first thing besides the obvious that was kind of weird was that they announced this like a month before the first show. Right. Which was the greatest Royal Rumble at the end of June. And if you can't tell by the names of the shows, everyone seems to agree that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia is probably naming the shows. Right. Because they really don't sound like something that someone who mainly speaks American English would come up with. Right. Right. Best uh, best WrestleMania might be the next one. Well, people were guessing it would be Crown Jewel before they announced it as Crown Jewel. <laughs> well, right, right. That, yeah, I mean, that, the Crown Jewel name, uh, A, uh, I guess if you're going to do a Saudi-themed event, sounds right. And then B, uh, at least it's a, an original event name. It's not just taking something else and saying it's the better version of that. Sure, sure. Um, they could have done World Wrestling Entertainment Presents Extraordinary Rendition or something like that. Right. But obviously not. Right. The so, only Survivor series. Ooh. <laughs> the Prince of the Ring. No? No? Am I am I not no, giving them any I, good ideas? I like here? Prince of the Ring though. <laughs> Prince of the Ring is good. <laughs> anyway, they announced this in April. Remember, WrestleMania is also in April. So at the first week of April, or thereabouts, you have WrestleMania. And then that some of that stuff seemed to what happened on that show seemed to change based on them needing big matches 
for the show in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia at the end of the month. And we don't know at the time how much money they're getting. Really, the terms of this, we know they're pushing Vision 2030 heavily. If you would reach out to WWE for comment at that time on Saudi stuff, Saudi, Saudi stuff. Well, for people, they, for people who don't know, what is Vision 2030? Okay, Vision 2030 is Muhammad a wrestling gimmick. Song. It's a it's a new wrestling angle. No, it sounds like something. In a that sense, could... <laughs> it is. I mean, true. If we're so, gonna if we're gonna uh, you know not break kayfabe, I guess. Well, yeah. So Crown Prince Muhammad bin Salman has been pushing this big plan to get Saudi Arabia much more progressive by the year 2030. And it also involves a lot of investments and stuff in technology and all, all this stuff to make Saudi Arabia less dependent on oil. But the WWE deal is not an investment. They are just paying them for shows. And as we started to get a feeling for in the last week or two before the first show, also to do propaganda for them. Because in the, I guess, it was especially the last week, but I think it started to show up about two weeks before, uh, on Monday Night Raw and uh, SmackDown Live, they were pushing a lot heavier the idea of beautiful Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. The, uh, oh, what's the, what's the nickname for Jeddah that they were giving? Oh, I don't even remember. It, they it were some... giving it some kind of, like, gem of the Middle East or something. Right, nickname. something, something extraordinarily lame oh actually uh wait bride of the red sea seems wrong <laughs> it's sounds... i don't think that's what they were pushing it sounds like this could be an hq question and bride of the red sea would be one of the wrong answers anyway um <laughs> the mermaid was not it either wikipedia says the mermaid um anyway and it was just more and more, like, heavy-handed. And then the show comes. Well, even even the pre-show with the, you know, desk analyst stuff before the show. You know, it, clearly they were paying a lot of money for this. But then there was, like, you know, a video package about how women can drive now. And what else was there? You know, just very heavy-handed, talking about how it was... Part. I could pull up the quotes in a second if I pull up my, the article I did for Daily Beast after the show. You know, you know, basically, they really were pushing uh, Saudi propaganda, basically uh, feeding into this narrative that uh, yeah. th- the, that the crown prince, uh, Prince Salman, uh, is a a you know a progressive voice for the new Saudi Arabia that they're trying to promote. Yes, and. They were very heavy-handed with that. They also did, well, not using those words, what was clearly a Sunni-Shia pro-wrestling storyline on that show. Right, I forgot about that. Explain that one. That's just incredible that they would do that. Okay, so WWE, when they go overseas, they always hold local tryouts to find international talent. And as they try to globalize their business more and more not in the jewish way and you know what i mean in the uh as they actually try to get more of a foothold in different parts of the world they they try to find talent that they can market in that part of the world so they had tryouts to find 
you know, Middle Eastern wrestlers, especially from Saudi Arabia or Saudi descent, that they, I think one was already under contract, a guy from, I think, California. And they were there. And then all of a sudden, the music for uh, WWE Cruiserweight wrestler Arya Davari hits. And he is coming to the ring, waving an Iranian flag, accompanied by his brother, Sean Davari, who at that point had not wrestled in WWE for a number of years. years. Yeah, it was a long time. It was a long time. And all of a sudden, he's just there. And they're talking about how Iran is superior, and it's, it goes where you think it's going to go. It was, on the surface, a basic national dick pro wrestling thing. Right. Saudi wrestling. It's not, it would be an actual match, but they, they, they'd, be, they'd be the dark brothers. Right. It would be no different than, you know, if, if, if this was a, just a random WWE pay-per-view in the States, and, uh, I don't know, they sent out... Uh, uh, Rusev or, you know, whatever uh, character sure. they have playing a, a stereotypical foreigner. And they're out there, and then all of a sudden, let's say, uh, the music hits and Hacksaw Jim Duggan's coming down with the American flag and bashing the guy in the head with a 2 by 4 to give the crowd a, a you know, a, 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 a pop and a happy-go-home moment. Right. So there's But the that. problem here is that yeah. This isn't, uh, you know, this isn't uh, the United States where uh, people will, will, you know, it's still problematic here, obviously. But, you know, over there, there's somewhat of an issue between uh, the two sides involved in the one that happened at the Greatest Royal Rumble. Exactly. So there was that, you know, there was a lot of just general glad-handing. John Cena did a speech after his match, talking about how everyone had welcomed him and how great the hospitality had been. Um, the, the, things also got a little weird in a just non-propagandistic sense in that there were a lot of people that they brought back clearly because either MBS or the head of the uh, General Sports Authority there, Turkey Al-Sheikh, had requested them. So, like, older stars, like, and people that didn't even make sense, like, you wouldn't think they would be asking for, but, like, Hornswoggle the Leprechaun comes back, specifically because he had been requested by Saudi princes. Uh, A random sumo wrestler, uh, apparently because they asked for Yokozuna, not knowing he was dead. Right. So they were asking for guys who, A, uh, were no longer with the company, um, and then, B, uh, who were no longer living. Yes, not, no longer on this mortar coil. Where, 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 who else were they asking? Yokozuna? Who else? Deceased? I believe there was an ask for Ultimate Warrior as well. <laughs> oh, man. Well, he actually would have fit in right in over He would have fit right in over there. Well, with some of his uh, views uh, on the uh, LGBT community. Well, his wife, his wife claims that his daughters uh, turned him around on that before he mm-hmm. died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure we, we I'm should sure, point out too. I'm sure the Saudi Crown Prince has something similar. Uh, was it? Yes. Was it a week <laughs> ago or a little longer? By the way, when was Pride Day? That because uh, WWE tweeted uh, Ultimate Warrior's widow who does like goodwill ambassadorship for them 
dressed up as the ultimate warrior in purple to promote uh, Pride Day and GLAAD events and the like. And literally all of the Twitter replies were negative. Right, right. Well, because WWE is, uh, you know, they're getting there. You know, I will say this, not to get off topic a little bit. I want to stay on the the, the this specific Saudi event. But I will say this, um, you know, the... The WWE has, because of the new generation of wrestlers they have, uh, let's get this straight. It's not because uh, Vince McMahon woke up one day and decided he's uh, he's turning a new leaf. Uh, because of the new generation of wrestlers they have working for them, WWE is uh, undoubtedly uh, been forced to become a more progressive place. Yes. And um, so let's get let's get back to the Saudi event. So yes, so it's already controversial that they held this greatest Royal Rumble. And before we move on from the greatest Royal Rumble, to really give an idea of what this event ended up really becoming, what it really was, I have a video uh, that I'm going to play of literally the uh, the defining moment of the greatest Royal Rumble. Uh, I don't know if you're going to hear this on your end, David, but I'm going to play uh, the fall. <laughs> Of Titus O'Neil. Yes. Okay. Number 39 into the Rumble. 39 men. And the leader of Titus Worldwide, Titus O'Neil. Titus had a very busy week here in Saudi Arabia. He's had dinner with many princes and very important people. And he oh. just. <laughs> oh my God, what the heck? What did Titus just. I can't believe what I just saw. Did that really happen? Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. Did that happen? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. I don't really understand how that's Ooh. the only time that ever happened, if it was that easy to make that mistake. Right, right. That was, that was, that was. I will say this. I was not watching Grace Rumble when it happened. Uh, for people who don't know, obviously, because of the time difference, this th- these events in Saudi Arabia, these WWE events in Saudi Arabia, are like at noon Eastern time uh, here in New York. Um, yes. and, but I saw on Twitter, all of a sudden it, Twitter just erupted when Titus O'Neil fell under the ring. And that really became the defining moment of this whole event. That's, Pretty much. That's, that's, that we went there and that's, that's what they got out of it. <laughs> yes. Well, and there's a little bit more before we move on too, in that it was known before the show, that there would be no women on the car because, well, Saudi Arabia, um, it, was never entirely reported definitively whether or not they were paid as if the the women who I guess in a world where they would have been on the show what they would have been paid to be on the show but so that coming that was a kind that was like kind of the initial controversy even before that first show because I don't think anyone really expected the show to be what it ended up being right and then not only were the women not on the show but then everyone realizes hey wait a second Sami Zayn's not on the show. Not on the show. Huh, that's weird. And then it turns out, oh, it's because he's of Syrian descent and raises money for victims of attacks on the people of Syria that are usually done with weapons provided by Saudi Arabia. Right. Right. No, you know, it really, you know, the WWE basically threw one of their own guys under the ball. I'm sure he wouldn't have wanted to go, but basically he couldn't even if he wanted to. Yes, and now he's lucky enough to be injured. Right, right. Well, so he's I think, not on Jewel either. Right. Well, I think you know, um, 
he probably would have passed on this one too because it seems like some guys did pass on this one. Now let's let's skip ahead. Now let's get so the WWE had the greatest Royal Rumble, and uh, you know it had its issues in terms of uh, it basically being a propaganda event for the Saudi regime. And now we fast forward to many months later. And they're holding another event in Saudi Arabia called Crown Jewel. However, this time, they happen to get caught up. Uh, They literally get caught up right into a huge international uh, affair. Really. Yeah. With the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, you know, Washington Post columnist, uh, American permanent resident living in Virginia. And... You know, the, the story's been all over mainstream news, so I don't think we have to explain it really. But they basically refused to say anything other than that they were monitoring the situation. And then last week, when they released their uh, quarter, their quarterly report, part of the you know the guidance and the press release included their statement saying that they were going on with the show. And then later in the report, there was a thing ab- about how their guidance for earnings for 2018 were based on running the Saudi shows. Right. So before before the uh, the first one, Greatest Royal Rumble, people were wondering what this is all why is the movie so into doing this? Now after Greatest Royal Rumble and now going at the Crown Jewel, uh, we now know why they're uh, doing this and it's because they're getting paid a ton of money. Yes. So the Q2 report that included you know, both WrestleMania and Greatest Royal Rumble had a line item. Uh, well, there's always a line item for other. And I forget what it normally consists of most normal quarters. All of a sudden, it was up by well over $40 million compared to, I think, both year over year and the previous quarter. And WWE, like they're ab- they were able to say enough to say that that's it. Although I think technically they said it on the investor call. And it's not 100% clear if that was just for the one show or if it's for the whole year. Um, I've seen some places reporting that the deal is $450 million over the 10 years, but I haven't been able to figure out exactly who said that definitively. And I don't think WWE has. So my, my, my guess is that it's per show, you know, whatever it is, $45 million. And. That's revenue, though. I mean, that's not profit. The the analysts that have talked about Crown Jewel have said that they're, I mean, they were talking cash flow, not profit, technically. But still, if this is just a flat fee they're getting, and if they're paying, you know, Shawn Michaels millions of dollars to come out of retirement, Brock Lesnar millions of dollars to leave the house or whatever, right? They they're only they're making only you know only is relative here. They're making somewhere in the low to mid seven figures profit on this show, which in the grand scheme of things does not make it seem like this is worth it. But then, as I kind of explain in the Nation article, besides that, they try to push revenue as a key metric as much as possible just to show kind of the growth, which, which there is some legitimacy to. But now they are so keyed in on having constant sources of revenue so it's not your usual volatile you know wrestling business stuff that 
that's why they would go with something like this. And I mean, do do we know if they haven't if they don't really have an out clause, or do we think they just decided to stick with it? We don't really know because we don't know the details of the contract. That's why it was uh, explained that way in the SEC filings because of confidentiality clauses. But they would not be out that much money in terms of actual profit if they were to get out of this deal. So why do you think they're going ahead with it then? Why why are they so uh, hell bent on 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 you know? You have this situation where uh, a journalist uh, was was murdered, and we now uh, I mean we knew uh, because he was last seen going to the uh, Saudi embassy in Turkey, uh, but. Then, after trying to spin it and say that they did not murder this journalist, they uh, realized that it was quite obvious they did, and they're now saying it was rogue members of you know the the Saudi regime, not the official you know wasn't officially uh, didn't come down from the crown prince, and uh, but. All these, you know, all these tech companies pulled out of events they were going to do there. I believe even, you know, on the, the, the YouTube live stream right now, I have some people saying like, you know, why are we having a problem with this? And people blaming leftists for, for, for being angry over this one. I mean, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, uh, Dana White said the UFC won't be doing business in Saudi anytime soon after this. And I don't think anyone would confuse Dana White for a leftist after the guy literally spoke at the RNC and uh, supported Donald Trump. Spoke at the RNC wearing a zoot suit for some reason. Right, right. Which so, was I mean, strange. And I'm right about that, right? He came out after this and he said, the, or, or if it wasn't uh, Dana White, some uh, high up official in UFC came out and said they're going to be taking a look at everything and they're not going to be uh, doing anything in Saudi Arabia right now. Um, I don't remember anything with UFC specifically. I mean, their owners, Endeavor, had been working on a deal to sell a piece of the larger company to Saudi Arabia, but they they did cancel that. Right. They, that, that, that's what I mean. They pulled out of some sort of uh, deal with with the country because of this. Like, yeah, UFC, I'm looking at it right now. UFC owners pulling out of Saudi Arabia investment deal. I mean, apparently that was a $400 million deal that they pulled out of. Yes, although some of the reporting, I believe, has said that it's possible they were pulling out anyway, regardless of all this. But they still did. I mean, and the other thing that's worth noting, too, is, I mean, you know, similar. I mean, it's UFC is similar company endeavors, not necessarily as a whole. But still, I mean, this is also the closest analog we've had to WWE in terms of that, you know, most of the most of the companies that have, you know, quote unquote, pulled out so far, most of them were just pulling out of that conference, that Davos in the desert conference. They weren't necessarily pulling all of their Saudi interests. Right, right, right. Oh, for sure. Yeah, let's not let's not send the wrong message. They're definitely uh, first of all, the fact that this this killing of this journalist, while clearly horrendous and horrible and should be a reason to pull out of an event uh you know if this happened anywhere uh but we're speaking about a country that uh a treats uh its own citizens like garbage uh literally after giving women the right to uh drive after uh the activists the woman activists over there 
uh, fought for, 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 geez, I don't even know how long. Uh, you know, they let them drive now. But then all of a sudden, there's reports after they get all this this press about how progressive they are now, letting women drive. They're now jailing some of these women activists who made it possible. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you have uh, Saudi Arabia involved in really a a genocide in Yemen. Yes. Wiping out, I don't even know how many people, just women, children, just innocent civilians for, for just – because they can, I mean, and with the help of of companies who are providing them with arms and other technology, I'm sure it's all you know. We should not be involved there. Period. We should be sending a message. This country should not just a pro wrestling company. So let's let's get that straight off the bat. Yes. Period. Well, also by the way, we shouldn't let UFC off the hook too. Before they were sold to Endeavor. Uh, the previous owners, the Fertitta brothers, and you know Dana White had ownership at the time too. They sold about ten percent of the company years ago to Flash Entertainment. Flash Entertainment is the investment arm of the United Arab Emirates. They did two events in the UAE, I think both in Abu Dhabi, as part of the deal. And both of those arenas were pop-up single-use arenas that were built by basically indentured servants, effectively slave labor. Right, right. I mean, these we we clearly have an overall. There's an overarching uh, problem in general with 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 governments, corporations, whatever, who are clearly for for profit. I mean, really, there's a problem. The problem here is capitalism. Yes, and well, since we haven't even mentioned it yet, and people might not know if they just they're just regular Doom listeners, and she's kind of the quiet member of the Trump cabinet. Linda McMahon, who has allegedly divested herself of her WWE interests, or at least her role in WWE, even though she's married to the person who still owns the most of WWE and controls WWE, Linda McMahon is the administrator of the Small Business Administration under Trump. Right, right. I mean, she claims, I saw, she claims that she's had nothing to do with this event. Uh, Yes. Just like uh, Eric Trump and uh, Don Jr. uh, claim that they just run... The business now and don't get involved with dad and the politics of being, you know, their pops being the president at all. Just like that, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I Probably, you know what, to give Linda McMahon a little bit of credit, it probably isn't that bad on her end, actually. She probably doesn't, she probably realistically has very little to do, if anything, with the company right now. No, I mean, that's, that's legitimate. I mean, also, I mean, even though no one says it, it is fairly clear that her and Vince don't live together anymore. Right. She lives in D.C. Right. He doesn't. Right. I'm sure he's. <laughs> I'm sure he's very happy about that. Uh, and that's not, that's I'm talking about Vince being a a real. Uh, I don't Head. know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not, um, that's not a comment on Linda whatsoever. It's a comment on the type of person Vince is. Right. But the thing is, though, it's like either. I guess it can technically be both, but it's like she's. She has this kind of public persona. It's not something she says, but the way she comes across is kind of like the one Trump cabinet member who's actually kind of interested in doing the job she's supposed to be doing. Right. I mean, but, small, small business administrators are pretty like, you know, you could pretty much keep it. Uh, you know, it's, there's things here and there, but it's pretty apolitical, especially when compared to the other cabinet positions. 
Right. So between that, but I mean, is it like, is this, it seems like it's something she has a genuine interest in, but is she also laying low for other reasons? Right. Right. That's, that's another point. That's true. What we, it's hard to speculate on this stuff, to be honest, because there's a version of Vince McMahon and the WWE as a company that does seem like, you know, they, again, at least in recent years, thanks to their own talents pushing them to be so, they seem to be more on the up and up than, you know, if this was the 90s, I would be telling you that there's no way that <laughs> Lindsay McMahon isn't completely helping them in every way, shape, and form. But but I do think, you know, when compared, you know, there's that the Trump comparison here, the Trump family and the McMahon family, because they are, in many ways, Trump is Vince and Vince is Trump. Uh, you're fired, for example. Yes. Uh, well, didn't we talk, uh, I think it was the last time I was on for the WrestleMania show, didn't I mention the whole thing about how they both love steak with ketchup? Right. The last time you were on Doomed, uh, you did talk about, not even just that amazing fact, uh, yeah. excuse me, you, you spoke of literally all the ways Vince and Trump are really uh, one and the same. Yeah. And... It's eerie at times. Um, I mean, Vince, there's a lot of things you wonder about what would happen to both Vince and WWE if they weren't in kind of the weird. I mean, it's not as much as before, but there's still a little bit of like the pro wrestling cloak of invincibility from bad press to a degree. Right. It's, it's not what it was like. I said in the like in the article in the nation, but it's like I don't want to repeat myself too much, but it's like I feel like it's the best example you know, when there were all these sexual harassment, sexual abuse allegations of the company, you know, over 25 years ago, and the, really the biggest national press attention in any way it got was on Donahue, there's still a woman at the end of the show that's heard all this, these allegations and basically says, like, but it's also sleazy and fake anyway. I don't get it, but isn't it fake? Right, right. So that is not... I would say that's not really there anymore, but I think being niche entertainment still guards it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's WWE is still in this weird, like, yeah, it, you know, it is really bizarre actually how non-pro wrestling fans view pro wrestling. They're always the first, you know, you they hear wrestling and they fake. It's fake, right? It's fake. You know, everyone knows it's fake. It's not real. It's acting. Where they don't, it's it's not real. But Less than used to, but still, it ha still happens, yes. Right, right. But they're also the ones who can't tell the difference between the the times that the lines are blurred. like, like right. Or that they are hum actual human beings. Right. Like, yes, there's a sleazy storyline. You know, for example, there's some sort of whatever sleazy storyline that we was doing at the time, that's happening. But But that's just like how there's storylines that are sleazy on a TV show or a movie. You wouldn't, you know, especially nowadays, you wouldn't hear about something sleazy happening to uh, a, a female actress and who would just be an actress. I don't know why I said a female actress. An actor is a male, an actress is a female. <laughs> but you wouldn't hear something sleazy happen to an actress off, like on set or in her everyday life and go, 
oh, well, she just did a a provocative scene in this movie or this TV show. So that's no surprise. You wouldn't, especially nowadays, uh, you would not hear that. But for some reason, the WWE, uh, people still have this view of it. Yeah, I mean, it is changing, but it's still there. And I don't know exactly what it would take. I mean, I feel like this story picking up steam is probably going to change that a little um seems like awareness in general of kind of everything about this went up with john oliver doing you know not whole segments but parts of set of larger saudi segments about it right um but i don't know i think we'll see but even then it's like i mean a lot of these people are just kind of not that informed but like if i tweet something that got picked up like like it's weird how many people don't seem to get like, okay, even if you already have something, you know, against them doing business with Saudi Arabia at all, it's like they still went way further than everyone else. Right. They're really like, it's not just an event in Saudi Arabia. It's literally being used to promote the company. It's not, you know, they, they, they don't just go, uh, you know, people will the country. Yeah. Right. Right. the, The country. I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you. You know, you can argue, obviously, that just holding an event in any location obviously promotes the the the, the city or the town or in this case the country that the, the event is taking place because people come from out of town. They put money into by just showing up. They put money into you know hotels, restaurants, the local shops, whatever. But this even takes it a step beyond that, right? And it's. I don't understand how they didn't think that that be, could become an issue for them at like at all, or if they just considered it a cost of doing business. I, one of those, I guess, but you know, and then now like, you know, there's so much other stuff happening, like so many weird details about everything that's, you know, like John Cena and Daniel Bryan pulled out of the show, um, both of them possibly weeks ago, because Bryan had made the... I don't know if he had told WWE yet that I'm a little unclear on even having read what was reported, but like... Let's actually back up one second, because yeah. actually I, I wanted to get to this specifically and really carve mm-hmm. this out here and discuss this uh, in, in a little bit more detail, actually. You know, this to me was incredible, because unlike the Greatest Royal Rumble, which was pre... Uh, Jamal Khashoggi, the Khashoggi, the, uh, the the journalist's murder, who was murdered. Uh, this was pre that. You know, the wrestlers seemed, uh, except for obviously a, a Sami Zayn, who wasn't allowed to go, allowed to go even. You know, the wrestlers seemed pretty much on board to be part of, uh, I guess, promoting a more progressive Saudi Arabia, uh, along with obviously doing this wrestling show. I'm sure they wouldn't have gone there to do it if it didn't. Involve the wrestling show, but it is what it was. It was what it was, so that's why they did it. This time, however, two of the WWE's biggest stars took a step back and said, "Whoa, wait a minute here. Let's let's start with Cena. This was this is incredible to me that Cena did this. Honestly, well, he has this movie career, and it seems like he realized, yeah, this is a bad idea for me right now. Right, right. I mean, I, I. It seems like it's pretty much that simple with him um i you know he was on the show in april i mean brian was too and we'll get to that in a second i mean they're 
when you kind of get the full picture of it, I think I I do get it from the perspective of wrestlers who are on the show on the first show, because you know I guess I should just segue to it with Brian. It seems like him and a lot of the other wrestlers too. Although he felt like he, you know, either could take the stance or felt like he had to. They travel so much that in like even someone like him who is fairly to the left politically and it does try to be well read and keep up with current events like still it could still be a blind spot and they try you know i mean that that until they got there and really saw what the show was going to be and everything it wasn't necessarily something they were negative on until it really set in with them right like i get that um and then brian apparently had basically decided then especially i think and, you know, with what Dave Meltzer reported in the Wrestling Observer newsletter this week, that it was especially seeing, you know, learning about the treatment of homosexuals in the country that he decided I'm not going back. Um, so, again, it when he told them I may need to reread because I read it, I've seen it. And I don't know exactly if it was clear on when he told them, but. You know, then they didn't actually write them off the show until, you know, Monday and Tuesday on Raw and SmackDown this week when clearly they knew for at least a week or two. And then with Brian, this is where it gets weird. Okay, have you seen what was reported in The Observer last night? I did not, no. Okay. One of the plans, okay. One of the plans that had gotten out even before, you know, last night that they ended up not doing was that they would do a match at WWE's uh, Performance Center Training Center in the Orlando area as like an empty arena match and then either do it live and insert it in the show or, pre- you know, I guess during the prayer break intermission like they had at Greatest Royal Rumble or, you know, just insert it at taped it. I mean, I guess you would. that's when you would do it regardless still. Right. Sort of like uh, how I guess they did, I don't know, the... the ooh. What's coming to my head? Oh, the uh, Owen Hart was it Owen Hart Ken Shamrock Octagon match at SummerSlam '98, right? Or the match in Owen's parents' basement too the, right. the month before, right? So apparently, it wasn't even just that, or that was one of the ideas. Then they were like, "Hey, we also have our technology center nearby in Orlando, which is something I had heard about before, but had not heard any details on." So apparently this is like they have this okay so in Stanford they have this digital studio that they use I think mainly for web videos and their international shows that's like a 3D green screen set that you can turn into whatever. Apparently they have a version of this around a ring now in Orlando that they can try to make look like whatever arena, and there was consideration to green screening them into Saudi Arabia and pretending they were there. Wow, that would that would have been both uh, an impressive feat of technology and a uh, completely ridiculous move on their part. Yes, someone realized probably not a good idea. Plus, also. It wouldn't shock me if Brian just didn't want to be on the show at all. Right. It, not just not going, didn't want to be on the show at all. So they ended up just doing the match on SmackDown and changing AJ Styles' match to someone, to something else, to him and Samoa Joe. So that's what happened with them. I mean, what, what other just weirdness have we had this week? Oh, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan is going to be the host of the show. Um, the... 
I, I, I did see this earlier this week where they just, they literally, their announcement seemed to be they just inserted his picture on the, uh, the page, his profile, like his WWE.com profile on the uh, list of talent showing up for this event. And you have to scroll down, too. He wasn't in, like, the first five or six that they show either. Yeah, so there was no announcement. Um, so, w, so let's just let's, – this, this is really – like, Hulk Hogan's return to the WWE. Yes, after, we should make this clear, too. This is his – now, he had, he had been reinstated to the Hall of Fame after, like, a three-year suspension, even though they never announced that he was suspended or that he was even officially out of the Hall of Fame. They would never answer to anyone. They just removed it from the website, and everyone just kind of assumed he was gone, gone for the Hall of Fame. So then they reinstate him in July after three years. Um, I think it was like a week short of three years from when the uh, N-word tape uh, transcript came out. <laughs> oh, uh, boy. More on that in a second, by the way. Um, Hulk Hogan, brother. Jeez. And then I forget exactly when, but Turkey Al-Sheikh, the head of the General Sports Authority – for Saudi Arabia had, in fact, tweeted a picture of Hogan implying he would be a crown jewel um, a couple months ago, I think. So there was that as well. So this was in the works for a while then. Oh, yeah. And I wonder like I'm forgetting something, too. I wonder how much he's getting paid for this as his return to the WWE after the the, his racist tirade uh, was released. Uh, oh, and and when he had a meeting apolog- apologizing to the locker room in July, um, basically all the wrestlers who talked to anyone said that it came off, including some like who were there that weren't under contract to in like a one-off appearance like James Ellsworth, either talked to reporters or did interviews saying that it was basically like, don't get on- caught on tape. Right. Wasn't that his whole his whole like his moral of his story? Like he was going around yes. telling people like like he was going doing talks. And like saying, like uh, you know, telling his 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 story, and then saying uh, that you know you have to be careful because someone could be taping you. Not you have to not say the n word and be a racist. Yeah, and he also fetched on some other interview about how you know in my day the wrestlers protected each other, and he didn't like that people were saying this. Yeah, yeah, just you know, so okay. There's more though. There's more of a uh, Let's hear it. Okay, so, yeah, so they never officially announced this. Um, Ryan Satin and Pro Wrestling Sheet did confirm, I think, on, I think on the record with them that he's going to be the host. But clearly they're trying to kill two birds with one stone. Here. There's enough bad publicity over the whole Saudi issue that at this point, why not bring Hulk Hogan back on that show? Uh, here's where it just gets even weirder and deeper. Um... I believe this was first reported by the Inquirer and Radar in their second wave of stories about said N-word tape. Uh, One of the comments he makes is that his daughter, Brooke, who he is on the outs with temporarily at the time, had somehow, he doesn't elaborate, forget the exact wording, messed up a $10 million deal I had with the Saudis. (laughs) Who said this? Hogan. Jeez, just out in the open with it. Well, I mean, he didn't know he was out in the open, but oh, that's oh, right, 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 right. Yes. Now, well, whether apparently he should he should know now, actually, being that he's well, uh, yes, got. <laughs> I guess he's already forgotten what's gotten him into this mess to begin with. Well, sure, 
but whether it in his view, it, it, there's no real details about what this was though. Um, whether it was actually a deal with the Saudi government or individual Saudi people, because the only other thing I've ever learned about it was, and I've tried to find it, and I haven't found where I have it saved uh, in the last couple of days, but during one of his last of various uh, depositions in the Gawker case, I believe... This was one that had been like sealed or and then was unsealed when all of the stuff in that lawsuit about the N-word stuff got unsealed or it may not. I forget exactly what, but it was like late addition to discovery phase in that lawsuit saying like, hey, are the are these Saudis? Is it X and Y who are like it seemed like a couple, some kind of married couple? And it, his lawyers ordered him not to answer. And they said it was outside the scope of what the Gawker lawyers were being allowed to ask. And that looks like that's as far as it went. But still, there's sure feels like there's something there. Right. You know, it's 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 very fishy. <laughs> I mean, that's really the best way to put it. Yes. And then today's thing where it just gets really just weird. Um, Ryan Satin was who kind of alerted everyone to this. Uh, Shane McMahon's wife, Marissa, used to work in public relations and hosting some TV shows for WWE. I believe she did not work there anymore, but and hasn't in, for at least several years. Uh, she is producing a movie for the first time that's about to come out. It is, let me find the name again, uh, right. A Private War, which is apparently supposed to be very good, um, about the murder of journalist Marie Colvin, who as Ryan put it, uh, was assassinated by a government that didn't like her reporting. And it's coming out tomorrow. That's, and Shane was promoting it on Twitter today. That's really per- perfect, real. I mean, you, can't, you don't get any more perfect than that. No. That's, that sounds like something's WWE book. <laughs> yes. Oh, and we haven't even talked about how they tried to dodge the bad PR this week by doing the all-women's pay-per-view on Sunday. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot all about that. That was a great pay-per-view, by the way. But the whole purpose of it was to come right before this Crown Jewel event and to try to get some of the, I don't know, the blowback off of them because women can't wrestle at these Saudi Arabia events. Exactly. And, you know, it's cool they did the show and it ended up being an excellent show, but I don't think they do it unless they are in this predicament and if they don't think that this would help with the blowback like do you right no you're you're absolutely right that i mean maybe eventually it would have happened but right it's like they fast-tracked it (laughs) it they made it happen as soon as they could instead of you know we'll we'll do this eventually yes and when they promoted crown jewel during the show uh the crowd booed when it, you know, when they saw it on the big screen, when they went to the announcers at the desk and the graphic went up because they can't hear the announcers, but they can see what the announcers are talking about. If there's a graphic crowd immediately booed very loudly. I think that, that Sunday was the loudest. There have been multiple occasions where crowds booed mentions of crown jewel in the last few weeks. That was by far the loudest. Right. Right. Well, cause it makes sense to boo it at that event. Let's actually, oh, yeah. 
Let's actually, I saw earlier, you had uh, tweeted out, and I have the clip of, you know, for anyone who's saying that, uh, you know, it's just a wrestling event, no big deal, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be anything more than that, let's let them go over there and give the fans what they want. Uh, They're very, you know, Saudi Arabia is already, the Saudi regime is already very explicitly using the WWE talent to push themselves and nothing is to really give themselves great positive uh, press and nothing really was more obvious than this and this really caught my eye you tweeted out then this drew mcintyre um video that they posted on one of their official was the official like uh uh regime sports like yeah the general agency. sports authorities twitter account which they they have uh, an arabic one which is the main one and they also have an english one that has a little under 4300 followers now now i have this video let me pull it up let the audience listen to it i'll let you know when it's over in case you can't hear it uh mm-hmm. while this is playing can you pull up how they promoted it like what they yes. said was said in it all right perfect let's play this video this is drew mcintyre uh, just today in Saudi Arabia, speaking with uh, the press there, I guess, probably state-run press. Well, I think, considering the last show, and how big it was and how quick the tickets sold for this one, there's <laughs> the only way to go is up and up and up. We're just going to keep growing, and uh, our relationship with the Saudi WWE Universe is just going to get as big as possible. I don't see a limit, to be honest. I think it's very exciting. It's because of the fans' interest is why we're back so quick. And as long as the fans want us here, we want to be here. And uh, like I keep, I can't stop saying it over and over and over. I've literally talked to the fans one-on-one and they are beyond excited, they're beyond passionate, they're beyond knowledgeable. And that makes me want to come here as much as possible. Now, you saw that uh, I know you couldn't hear it, but you uh, saw that interview yes. earlier, uh, Dave, uh, and it's very clear from watching it, especially if you're you know if you're listening to the Doomed podcast, uh, you have to visually see Drew McIntyre giving this interview. He's very deliberate in his wording, and you can just see it in his facial expression. And if you'll notice. He's just, and this is a guy I want to add for for non wrestling fans who be, might be listening to this. This is a guy who is not at a point in his career where he could do with John Cena or a uh, Daniel Bryan and say, "Hey, Vince, I'm not going to this." So this is a guy who, for his, he's got to go. It's he's got this. He's already been fired from the WWE, released by the WWE once before. He has this second chance with the company now. Um, and he has to go and he focuses on in his wording, talking about the people who are going to this show, the, you know, the everyday WWE fan, not, you know, the, this, the, the members of the Saudi Royal family who are going to be sitting on the floor around the, uh, the, 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 the ring like they were for the last one, which was very awkward. He's talking about the, the normal Saudi, uh, people of Saudi Arabia, who are paying money for the, 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 the nosebleed seats, who are excited to see the WWE come, I'm sure. There's many fans over there, I'm, I'm positive, no, no doubt about it. 
oh, apparently they are incredibly popular there right now. Right. Right. And in a, in a perfect world, they'd be able to go and perform for these people who just work regular jobs and do regular things and probably aren't very, uh, you know, aren't aren't very well off or, or middle class or the equivalent to American middle class. I don't know. They're just not members of the royal family. They have no power. They're just regular people. Uh, in a perfect world, they'd be go be able to perform for those fans and not also uh, become an arm of the Saudi regime's propaganda. But unfortunately, we're not in that world. And yes. and um, so how did the official Saudi sports agency, whatever they're called, how did they promote that clip where he was talking about the WWE's relationship with the everyday people of Saudi Arabia who are also fans of the WWE? Okay, and before I read this, I should stress that, uh, at least according to the Bing translation that Twitter provides, the Arabic is basically the same as this. So, and I quote, Amateur wrestlers emoji. Drew McIntyre. The relationship between the Saudi General Sports Authority and WWE will be greater than before. The fans here are very interested. Right. So they took this. Uh, interview with Drew McIntyre where he was clearly just talking about the WWE universe as the WWE calls their fans. Yes. And they took it and twisted it in their description of the video, which of course, as everyone who, who's ever been on the internet knows, a lot of people are just going to read, read that description and scroll past that video. Uh, and they turned it into Drew McIntyre promoting the, uh, official governmental sports arm of Saudi Arabia and how WWE has a growing relationship with them, which the wording of it really makes really like sort of drives home without saying it. Like really the way it's worded to me sounds like they're also throwing in there in the face of all the stuff, the mainstream media in the U S and other countries in the West are, are saying about us in the wake of Jamal Khashoggi we're still having this great growing relationship with a company like WWE. Exactly. And I should stress too, that of the other wrestler interviews that they tweeted, all of them are, you know, stress the WWE universe, the Saudi fans, the Saudi WWE. Like all of the wrestlers appear to be taking great pains to say that. Right. I mean, it's got to be, be a directive from the company as well just to make sure. Yes. But without a doubt, I'm sure the WWE wrestlers, the talent, the uh, independent contractors of the WWE weren't going to go there and straight up themselves be all like, oh, I love Saudi Arabia. Like, Yes. But it, it's... Although I just realized that we did not mention that for the last two weeks leading into the show, um, the word Saudi Arabia was banned from WWE programming and basically erased from their website. The term, the word Saudi Arabia. Right. I mean, they also yes. got really lucky, actually, that, um, you know, when they did that, when they did what you just said, you know, stopped mentioning the country that their the event was actually taking place in uh, on the show. Since they made that decision, which was at the peak of this being in the, this 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 killing being in the news cycle, they got very lucky. And the story has sort of faded from the limelight of the, the, the mainstream media, uh, the, the, you know, the daily news cycle here in the United States. 
Yes, they got very lucky with the biggest attempted assassination of political figures in American history and the uh, most devastating murder of American Jews in history. Yes, they did get lucky with that. Right. Yes, they did. I'm. You know what? I'm. Yeah, I'm sure there's some sort of. I'm not saying there's they're hired by the WWE or they or have anything to do with the WWE, but I'm sure there's many sorts of like public relations agencies who deal with like disasters and stuff like that who really do actually look at things like that in that way. So it actually isn't surprising. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not right. It's not. And that, I mean, that really, those, I mean, that, and that, you know, and the, the other, you know, the grocery, you know, store supermarket shooting last week too. Like those, all of these like very like, you know, just MAGA chud bias crime bullshit the last week, like, it, that it happens so close together too is all kind of eerie. Yes. No, without a doubt. Um, so, so it, it, I'm trying to think here. You know, like what do we? You know, what do we take from this? Like, is the w, like clearly the WWE is going to continue doing these Saudi events? Um, they probably will because this. You know, the reason they're really going forward with this one is this is already planned. You know, they already had the storylines in motion. They have guys coming. Shawn Michaels literally coming out of retirement for this event. Um, they already had Shawn the- Michaels, who had been like for years, refused to come out of retirement. Yeah, this is really disappointing. On on on, you know, as someone who, I mean, we all know who Shawn Michaels is. Even the uh, the born again version of Shawn Michaels. You know, he is who he is. But this is really something that he's coming out of retirement after specifically stating he never would do so because the way he retired was too perfect and he would not do that to the people who were involved with it. Um, And it was always used as, you know, Shawn Michaels' retirement was always used as the absolute contract, the, the, the contrast of Ric Flair's retirement. And to see him do this, I'm sure the money is a lot for him to be doing it. But without a doubt, it's disappointing. I mean, I remember Chris Jericho said that people asked him if he was doing this Crown Jewel event after he did the Greatest Royal Rumble. And I mean, it's clear that the WWE didn't invite him this time around because unlike when he did Greatest Royal Rumble, he's got his own things going now with the Jericho Cruise. He's done a lot more New Japan stuff since then. Um, And so the WWE didn't invite him because of that. But he also said that if they did invite him, uh, it would have had to have been for a lot, a lot of money because, A, the last time he did it, he basically did it because he couldn't believe how much money they were offering him to do this one event. And then, B, he hated the experience over there, he said. It seemed like he was really more focused on the on the on his perceived low quality of the airport than anything else. Right. I guess that's true. Um, but... <laughs> But he also said he didn't like how it was run in terms of, you know, just the uh, how they were treated there, I guess. But you are correct there. It was no sort of great awakening, I guess, like like Daniel Bryan's was, apparently. Apparently not. No. Um, Well, you also have to remember, I mean, Jericho is not the most enlightened fellow in general. Um. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he did when he was pushing his cruise months and months ago, just like he was like tweeted and then got into an argument with Ryan Sadden about like 
hey everybody there's gonna be girls in bikinis on this like it's it's way less guys than you think are gonna be on this cruise yeah yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's really something that's coming with this new generation of of wrestlers. I mean, the 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 if it wasn't for you know, I, I remember a bunch of these younger guys, and I think I've mentioned this to this I've mentioned this to you before. You know, when when Donald Trump was elected, there was a number of WWE talent who tweeted out how how bothered they were by it, and you would have never in a million years have seen this. With literally just no. the, the previous generation, uh, let alone the Attitude Era, I'm talking about the ruthless aggression generation. Like even those guys, uh, you know, wouldn't be be saying anything like that. Even though a few of those guys from that era have been really, you know, I gotta say, if there's anyone who has surprised me from that any of those older eras, uh, who ended up, who ended up being a really uh, swell guy. Dave Batista, man, I gotta hand it to him. He's, you know, much more. Uh, I, I really expected nothing, and I got much more than uh, if I even if I did expect something. Um, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I mean, he's come out and he's 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 spoken out against uh, some of these the these policies by uh, from Trump. He's yeah. he's come out and he's stood up against, I mean, Disney, which is paying him, I'm sure, tons of money. Uh, he stood up for for James Gunn when there was a right wing, uh, really uh, hit campaign, uh, smear campaign to, to to get James Gunn to lose his job, specifically because James Gunn also spoke out against the president. I mean, you don't see that exactly. from, any, from anyone else. You don't see any... I'm talking actor and wrestler. You rarely just see anything like that from someone in any of those fields where very likely they could lose their job. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if after he did this, they made a move to, to write the character out after the next movie. I, I've wondered about that. Um I mean, I guess there's also the question of is he going to, you know, will he come back for WrestleMania like they were teasing, or if some of this bad press keeps going, will he skip it? Um, like, it was a little surprising that he appeared on the thousandth SmackDown special a couple weeks back in the middle of all this in light of that, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. It, it, you're right. Of the people who who are in the position to sit, to be able to say something, it's surprising that he did not. Right, right. Very true. Yes. So, uh, David, if you have a few uh, more minutes, uh, there's some there's some questions in the YouTube stream. Uh, mm-hmm. For those regular listeners of the Doomed podcast, uh, we are currently streaming this episode in a new wrestling YouTube channel that I've recently uh, been involved with. And so we have a very different audience in the YouTube uh, comment feed today. And uh, it just made sense to run it on this channel, being that it was an all-wrestling episode of Doomed, even though it was a very Doomed episode in terms of it being about a uh, uh, some sort of right-wing internet-related nonsense going on in the world today. So <laughs> let's get to some of these questions. Uh, by the way, you can support... Uh, this show and everything I do at patreon.com slash mattbinder. You can download the Doomed Podcast at doomedpod.com. 
you could subscribe to the Doomed YouTube channel where I regularly stream this show when I'm not doing a wrestling episode at doomed.tv. Uh, leave a review of the podcast on iTunes and stay tuned to uh, you know stay tuned to my Twitter feed at Matt Binder and I'll keep you guys updated. I just took over this uh, this YouTube this wrestling YouTube channel. It's got a bit of a fan base already. Um, it wasn't being used anymore, uh, and uh, I'm gonna try to keep it active. Uh, post wrestling content on it, and I'm gonna be rebranding it because I'm not a big fan of the current name of the channel. A little bit corny. But uh, so let's get to the comments here. Uh, and David, thank you for joining us today, and thank you for sticking around a little bit longer. My pleasure. Uh, so Singham in the uh, comments asks, uh, Crown Jewel, how time, please? I'm very happy that we have a, uh, cl- uh, a classic uh, cliche, really. It's become an internet joke almost, uh, how some uh, WWE fans in certain parts of the world will just literally jump in and ask, completely non-related WWE, uh, WWE uh, related questions like what time does a random show start so thank you Singham for joining the uh, the stream and David what time does Crown Jewel start that would be noon eastern time uh, also so that would be 4pm uh, GMT on Friday right so uh, Alan Jacobs asks question and we had a bunch of uh uh, people who seem to lean conservative here because it's again it's the wrestling uh, stream. Well, so, well, I need to ask you though, since I didn't ask you this earlier, did did you uh, post the link to your Patreon backers? I did. I let them know about the uh, the uh, the different YouTube channel with the link to the actual stream. Okay. So there, I saw a few of them in the comments, but it's a real uh, mix, not the usual. Uh, you know, we get on the other channel. It's, it's a brand the uh, the Doomed channel that I run uh, at Doomed.tv. is a brand new channel. Not many subscribers yet, uh, so it really is just my usual progressive uh, uh, viewer base. But every now and then, I get some uh, some right wing trolls from my Majority Port days when I worked at the Majority Port with Sam Cedar, who who remember me. That channel has since taken off, so a lot of those uh, people are in there. Uh, Thousands and thousands of streamers on that channel every day. They see that they're, you know, uh, 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 someone will comment, oh, Matt's doing a, a, a stream tonight. So they'll go and search about it, go to my Twitter feed, and that's how they'll find me. And then, you know, there'll be a few of them every now and then. But this time, a few more than usual. So Alan Jacobs writes, question, has Saudi Arabia not experienced progress in the last few years? For instance, women can drive now, something that seems totally ridiculous to Western people. But has there not been an improvement? Well, I mean, like I said before, uh, sure, women can drive now. Uh, They did it because there was a huge uh, grassroots activist campaign where those very activists were being imprisoned. And then after they did it, because the, the press that they were receiving across the world was going completely against the image they were trying to portray as the new crown prince being some sort of young, progressive, Saudi, uh, uh, I don't know, future. Uh, they, they, they went ahead and did this and then still started imprisoning some of these very activists who made it possible. Uh, so, David, what, what would you say to, say to this? Um, I don't know if I'd say anything different from what you said. Um, but also it feels like if a country expresses 
definitely feels the need to do propaganda that there's probably something deeper going on. Right, right. And Alan continued saying, so was this murder of the journalist the first human rights violation Saudi Arabia has ever committed? Because I didn't see the wrestling journalists up in arms over the first time I went over there, which I have to say is complete bullshit. Because I mean, I was more than anyone, for one. I mean, I wrote about it then. <laughs> I, wrote, I, wrote a, uh, I wrote a piece with Karim Zidane at Deadspin. Right. And I remember also even like non-political wrestling journalists were, were talking about how this was a bad move for the company. This wasn't, I mean, obviously you're hearing more about it now because it was pegged to a, a huge news event. Uh, I'm sorry, David, you yeah. broke up for a second. But, um, oh, yeah. It, I didn't actually say anything new. I think it was one of those things where sometimes on Skype you hear like a split second of when the other person buffered earlier. Right, right, right. That's probably what happened. But yeah, like, like you know, I, I you credit to you absolutely for being. If, if not one of the first, absolutely one of the loudest voices speaking about this since the beginning. But, but credit where it's due also to almost everybody else who at least, you know, at the very least, uh, put out there some sort of reservation about if anything, even if it was just to play devil's advocate, what is the WWE doing here? Right. Again, if they were... If they were just getting paid to do a show, the type of shows they had already done in Saudi Arabia with local promoters, in fairness to any counter-argument, I believe including uh, Flash Entertainment was involved in some of those, as we mentioned earlier, you know, with their past UFC part ownership. But still, it's there is a difference between going into a country, if you're in a global entertainment company, and dealing with or companies you would rather not deal with and just doing what you normally do and then and doing propaganda again it did would it be better obviously if they just didn't do anything in Saudi Arabia yes but that's it, they're so far past that point that it all it's almost not even worth arguing right absolutely but uh so let's get to this uh uh so this is a question probably more directed to you than me. I'm familiar with the channel, but you're probably way more familiar with the channel. Mm -hmm. Uh Jeff asks, what do you think about WrestleTalk? Uh is WrestleTalk TV the British one? I think that's the one, right? I'm I'm familiar with I know there's wrestling with in terms of strictly YouTube channels. I know there's tons of wrestling podcasts, but I'm but I I'm assuming because I know Russell talks to YouTube channel that he's wondering about YouTube channels. I'm familiar with uh, what culture, which has gone. Um, I mean, not, yeah, yeah it's, it's sort of lost everything since when all those guys left. Well, no, that's my, that's not my, well. We can talk more about that off the air, right? Although I have talked about it publicly, my experiences with what culture. <laughs> okay, uh, maybe we will. Maybe we'll save that for another conversation. I, uh, but um. There's also Cultaholics, where all the former wrestle, uh, what culture guys went, and uh, I know there's wrestling with regret. Um, there's, there's, I don't know, I, I don't really know many good wrestling channels that aren't just like a lot of the best wrestling channels are actually podcasts, um, yeah. which is unfortunate because, like I was telling you actually before the show, uh, the way media is now, there really isn't much overlap it's really bizarre like you write an article uh you're gonna get an audience that really only reads articles you're not gonna get your youtube audience 
or your podcast audience, like of course there'll be some people from those uh, those those areas, but for the most part, they're gonna you know your YouTube audience is gonna watch your YouTube live streams and your YouTube video uploads. They're not gonna download the podcast. Your podcast audience is gonna just listen to the podcast. They're not gonna go to the YouTube streams or read the articles. It's really bizarre just how everything's fragmented. And, you know, that's sort of happening with wrestling podcasts, I think. I'd agree with that. I mean, look at how big until they did their YouTube pullback based on some of their demonetization uh, Jim Cornette stuff was doing on YouTube, for example. Like, that stuff would explode. Um, and that was usually just audio with an image. Right. It, it, it And, you know, some of those were segmented out. So that's a little different because someone might look for a specific topic. But still, it's like there are these people, and I don't even think they're people who pay for YouTube Premium, the former YouTube Red. I think it's just people who are just looking for content about a given topic, let it autoplay, whatever, and that's how they end up with it. And maybe even they subscribe or whatever, but they they do it, consume it through YouTube. They just leave a tab open and they listen. Um it feels almost like the podcast listener and to an extent wrestling fan version of like what you've talked about with, you know, YouTube, uh, radical radicalization and the like. Right. And thank you for listening to those. Thank you. Yeah. I've, I've really, it's, it's, it's really a weird time, I guess we're living in when it comes to how, uh, media is digested, uh, both, both how, in terms of just what I mentioned, and then also how it, Literally, depending on who's running a channel and what they're talking about, how it can be used to radicalize people. Um, but I guess again, we're we're at a talk for another day. Uh, so Alan uh, had a problem with the whole Daniel Bryan thing in the comments, saying how you know Daniel had no problem working Greatest Royal Rumble though. This must be talking about Jamal Khashoggi's murder. This must be the first bad thing Saudi Arabia has ever done. Uh, you know, I think you explained it very well before, but Daniel Bryan clearly had a uh, uh, an awakening moment while he was in Saudi Arabia, or at least after he did that event and learned more about where he just went. Yes. Uh, what else? One thing we should mention, just because I don't think we had a chance otherwise, um, Corey Graves, WWE announcer, uh, when he, I, I guess, I don't know if got home or at least when they landed somewhere outside of the Middle East before flying home, tweeted, uh, not tweeted, posted on Instagram a picture of a beer he was drinking, um, you know, like uh, within a day of that and just kind of like how the trip, let me, let me find the quote actually. A drink to remember that no bad how, excuse me, a drink to remember that no, that no matter or something like uh, someone's quoting it where I'm reading, no matter how bad we think we have it, at least our women have rights and we all have freedom of expression while also pointing out that he couldn't have gotten alcohol in Saudi Arabia. Right. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's on the show tomorrow. Um, I guess I should check his Twitter to see if he's indicated if he's there. How about Renee Young doing the commentary for the show? I mean, yes, that is something we should be talking about. I mean, uh, I, I don't know whether to look at that as uh, a. That's pretty crazy, actually. That should be considered sort of a big deal. They're finding a way to get a woman on the show. I don't know if there's ever been. Maybe she might be the first. I, I don't want to say she is, but it's possible she's the first ever person uh, 
uh, woman to provide a commentary for to call a, a sporting event or, or you know a sporting event in Saudi Arabia. Um, but uh, also, I don't know if I should be looking at it as look at the WWE just trying to sort of do some more damage control by just pegging her on, like just really just sticking her in there at the last minute just so they can say they did something, you know, they got something out of going there in terms of like changing Saudi Arabia, which is sort of the way they've been trying to to, to, to promote it in terms of like being part of the progressive change over there. I That's what it feels like because also – and we should point out too, and like I, I don't know how similar it is for this trip yet. Not only were there no female wrestlers on Greatest Royal Rumble, there were no female announcers, of which they have several, and none of the female executives went, including the co-president of the company, Michelle Wilson. Right. Or, or excluding is the case, maybe. Wait, like wait, no so- Stephanie McMahon, no Michelle Wilson, none of the female announcers, etc. And honestly. I feel like it. Well, it's twofold with Renee. Espe- well, and especially if Graves doesn't go, that they need would have needed another announcer. But I think it's that mainly she's a good bridge because she has a an eclectic enough fashion sense that it won't look weird if she's wearing like sleeves and pants. Right. Right. Yeah, I do wonder how they're going to present her. Uh, not just how she dresses, obviously. I mean, also how. Uh, because, I mean, that's not how <laughs> to... Uh, what I'm talking about is, you know, usually the announcers, for those who are unfamiliar, when the live event starts, the announcers get their own sort of, uh, you know, they get their own entrance. I yes. wonder if Renee Young will get her own entrance at this event, because that itself also would be uh, a pretty big deal if, if you know, if if anything, all things considered. Yeah, especially since also... You know, one of the stories coming out of the first show was that they accidentally showed a video meant only for the broadcast, which was, oh, it was hyping that now every pay-per-view event is going to have Raw and SmackDown wrestlers on it. And there was a song that they were showing the various wrestlers lip syncing, but in their gear, and it included female wrestlers, and apparently there was much hooting and hollering in the stadium. And the government issued a statement saying, like, we are, I forget the exact wording in the, you know, the translation anyway, because there was not an official English version, but it was something to the effect of we are committed to that, you know, women will not wrestle on these events and we are committed to keeping it that way forever. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's, I don't even know what the, honestly, like the more we, we discuss this and the more it just like goes through my, my, my brain and racking my head, like. There really is no way to spin this in a good way. Like, like no. as much as they try to 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 shoehorn things in there and and say, you know, it's a bad move from the beginning with Greatest Royal Rumble, but just after what just happened, uh, it's really impossible. And and I don't know what they're gonna do for the future of the. I'm, I know for a fact, obviously, if they feel like they get away with this. They're going to continue this partnership with Saudi Arabia. There's too much money on the line. My question is, do they continue with the rollout, you know, being that it's far enough now where they can they can, you know, fix their 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 revenue projections and just to say like, you know, we'll come back but but you know, we have to wait a couple, you know, we have to wait a bit longer than we did last time for this all to cool down or if they just go ahead. I mean, either way it's messed up or whatever, but just to, to sort of 
to me, it matters just to sort of see what what's going through the mind of Vince and the rest of the the people involved with planning this in that company. I, I think that's something to look for, and I think it also, in part, will depend on how far they do go tomorrow, because I don't know if they would have pushed on the WWE side to try to see if they would try to tone it down, but this is also what the royal family's paying them for is to do propaganda. And of course, at a time like this, they're going to want to do more propaganda, especially internationally, especially to a captive audience that they would not normally be spreading their propaganda to. So I I don't know if there's any compelling reason to think that it will be different tomorrow from greatest Royal rumble. And if WWE got them to make it different, is that only for this show or is that for the rest of the deal? And even then, I I got to think if it's if it's different at all, it's toned down, but not completely. Right. No, I think that's that's actually a really I mean, that's 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 the gist of it right there, to be honest. I think that's do we does the WWE alter in any way from this or, you know, because even if you want, let's just give it to them. Let's just give them this. This was already planned out. Everything was in motion. They they had no choice. And when I say give it to them, let's say for the sake of this argument, you know, let's play the devil's advocate here. They had to go ahead with this event. Um, the question is then, what comes next? Uh, and we don't know. I guess we'll see. Tomorrow really will be the uh, the, the thing that, that gives us a better look at what comes next. And uh, I think also this comment from Angie in the uh, the uh, comment section on YouTube actually says a lot too. Uh, she says, make wrestling great again. And I really, I mean, what you're seeing is uh, another way where Vince and Trump are a lot alike. Uh, Trump came out and said in the wake of the Jamal Khashoggi murder that there's just too much money on the line to pull the billions of dollars of arms deals with the Saudis. Uh, you know, there's too much money on the line to do that over the murder of just one man, according to Trump. I mean, really, by going ahead with this event, Vince is saying the same thing. Pretty much, yeah. I, I think that's about it. I mean, there was... I, actually, it's something else on my mind. I totally brain farted on it now, but... <laughs> it's it's getting late, so that's yeah, definitely no. That's that's the show, everybody. Uh, thank you to everyone in the uh, comment section for joining us. A very new audience tonight. I love it. Uh, for the doomed listeners, doomed will be back live for you as usual in the normal uh, doomed uh, YouTube channel. Uh, for you wrestling fans, this channel will be updated regularly with. Uh, original wrestling content for all of you it won't all be uh politically oriented i'll be doing you know just stuff sometimes just on wrestling storylines and angles just like any other wrestling channel but this channel will also be different because we will take these political stories that the other wrestling uh youtube channels and podcasts really don't cover you know we really just see that this type of uh, wrestling coverage from people like uh david bixenspan here who is one of really the few uh, pro wrestling journalists who look at the uh, pro wrestling world through a political lens. And you could check out his work at David Bix on Twitter. 
And he recently, just today, put out a new article just specifically on this whole Saudi Arabia crown jewel WWE saga called uh, Why is WWE Creating Propaganda for Saudi Arabia at TheNation.com? David, thank you for joining us today. Been my pleasure. Happy to be back. We'll love to be on again. And everybody, I will see you all next time on Doomed. Break the wall!